Colleagues, welcome back to the office and welcome to our podcast and presentation for today. This is What's Coming Next Technology for Today's Financial Professional Part 2. This is the second class in a four-part series that we're doing that is really kind of looking at and discussing technology for 2022, the stuff that we need to be aware of, familiar with, with respect to the latest and greatest for this new year. Now, in the first edition of our class, we went through and we talked about some changes with respect to things like HR. Uh, we talked about some of the impact with respect to COVID and what that has done to this modern workplace. And in a lot of respects, uh, it just accelerated the trends that we were already seeing. You know, uh, people were already starting to work remotely. We were already starting to see uh, this idea through cloud technology, didn't matter where we are, but how do we actually address this and manage it as a company? Uh, what type of tools, practices, and processes do we need to have in place to make this work effectively? And in that class, we talked through some of the HR stuff. We also talked through some of the um, communication tools that are available, uh, specifically tools such as Zoom or Microsoft Teams and more. And we finished that class with a discussion of some of the security things that we need to be familiar with in the coming year. Uh, frankly, things like ransomware, data breaches, malware, and more, they're not going away anytime soon. In fact, our risk is even higher just due to the fact that we've got more people working remotely than ever before. And that means more networks, more devices that are going to be connected. Now, in the second edition, which we're going to talk about today... We're going to expand on some of the things that we've already discussed, including some specifics around the virtual office and what that might look like. We're going to talk about um, leveraging Internet of Things devices, you know, these IoT devices that are pretty much uh, everywhere now. Uh, all different types from sensors to, you know, thermostats to, to communication devices, our phones and more, and how we can connect them to make our lives work well together. And we'll also talk a little bit about paperless technology if we get the time for it and some of the different tech that we can implement to uh, make our offices more efficient. Now, we're not going to go specifically into like scanners and specific, you know, like, hey, scan this in this particular format. I'm thinking most of you are probably already there. But what's the next generation of things that we should be thinking about to reduce waste and our footprint of our office? All that and more in our podcast for today. And again, I am here live. So if anybody has any questions or comments or things they'd like to see discussed specifically, shoot us a message. Let us know what you're thinking. I'd be happy to try to address it in our presentation for today. Now, just a quick word, if you are watching and attending live, uh, a couple things that you should be familiar with, uh, we're going to be confirming your attendance today through pop-up intervals. Uh, here's your first one. Go ahead and check that out. And uh, as long as you respond to all of them, you will, or at least 75% of them, you will receive full credit for today. There's going to be about uh, a pop-up about every 12 to 20 minutes or so. When we get to an end of a section, when it comes up, just choose a response to confirm your attendance. That will track your response. Okay, with respect to your certificate, as long as you've received and um, responded to 75% of the polling questions, you will receive full credit and uh, your certificate will be delivered via email within two days of this event. And you could reach out to us at CP today if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After today's class, there will be an evaluation. Please feel free to respond. Let us know what you think. It helps us create new and better content that you want to learn and receive. It should only take you a few minutes, so please uh, feel free to share your thoughts with us. Additionally, stay engaged. Ask questions. We are here for you. If you have anything you need, please let us know. 
Now, lastly, for those of you who are watching after the fact as a self-study product, uh, you can earn credits for today's class by heading over to cpetoday.com. Today's course code is NGE4. Um, and with that particular course code, you can uh, find today's class and you can um, uh, take a short quiz and you will earn your credits. All righty, folks, let's go ahead and get into it. All righty. Now, our first section that we're going to be talking about today is going to be working anywhere with the virtual office. Okay. So with respect to the virtual office, it gives us the opportunity to be able to work anywhere. And frankly, that's really necessary in today's environment in terms of where we are as a culture. Uh, we live in this global economy. Your company could be located anywhere with your staff, anywhere, your customers, anywhere, people, frankly, spread across the globe. Uh, it's not uncommon to have clients, customers, and vendors around the world. And so with this remote office, with this virtual office, it gives us the ability to be able to think globally and remain competitive. It allows us to be able to recruit and find people to work for us, find clients in new opportunities uh, in places that maybe we previously overlooked. In a lot of respects, I would tell you, uh, this really isn't optional, you know, because whether you like it or not, globalization is a real thing. And that is something that is occurring. The virtual office, for no other reason than that, gives us the ability to be able to remain connected, giving us the tools to conduct business anywhere in the world. Uh, that allows us to hire people anywhere in the world. That allows us to have clients anywhere in the world and more. And it's frankly fantastic. In our company, Debmatics, uh, we have clients and customers all across the United States, through Europe, even through Africa and Asia now, which are pretty compelling. Uh, the fact that uh, our little company here in, in the West Coast can be able to conduct business all over. Now, the virtual office is a stricter, more technical definition. It's really a combination of technologies uh, that allow for cloud-based collaborative work anywhere in the world. Uh, it's a collection of things like file storage, collaboration tools, communication tools, and more. Uh, and really with the goal of kind of reducing the need and associated costs with that traditional office, giving us the ability to be able to work anywhere, anytime, while still being pretty professional. Although it looks like I'm in the library, and in fact, maybe you think I am, but uh, I'm here in my home. I'm in my home office here in beautiful Big Bear Lake, California, with a green screen behind me, uh, where I'm able to conduct work. Like if I were sitting on, you know, in an office in downtown Manhattan or downtown San Francisco or anywhere else in the world, uh, looks and feels great and feels professional. My clients don't know the difference. We do our work, we get our work done, but we avoid that big commute that we traditionally always had to do. Now, my more, let's say, um, uh, lax definition of the virtual office is it really comes down to one word in my mind, which is freedom. It's freedom from having the traditional workplace limitations from that single virtual office. Uh, my family, we have an RV and we take a big road trip every single year uh, in the summer. And we're usually gone anywhere from a month to two months. And it's fantastic because my wife and I both work remote. We're able to connect as long as we have internet access. And we're able to work from our RV just like if we were in our home office. Uh, but, you know, we get to go out and go have adventures, whether it be, you know, climbing the Black Hills of the Dakotas or, or you know, enjoying the beaches of California or Oregon. Um, you know, we we're able to experience that without actually having to physically be in that one office. And I like to say that this allows for your um, 
work life to meet your personal life and not the other way around. You know, we, we work a lot. Don't get me wrong about that, but I love the ability to have the freedom to be able to choose when and where I work. And I love the ability to be able to make the world my work space. Okay. It gives us the ability to be able to make our personal lives and our work lives kind of blend a little bit more, uh, together. Alrighty. Now, if you're going to be working from home or working from the road or wherever you happen to be for your virtual office, there's going to be different specifications and things that you're going to want to consider. Um, and it really doesn't really matter. Um, you know, in terms of the specifics brands, I would always tell you to buy business grade equipment whenever possible And your exact product mixes in software mix are going to vary depending on the specific needs of your company. But here are some basic things that I think you should be equipping yourself and your company, your staff to be able to be effective anywhere in the world. Now, one of the most important things is workspace dedicated private workspace is always preferred, preferably with comfortable seating, good lighting, um, you know, and if not at least dedicated work hours where you can at least get some, some privacy without maybe kids or, or, um, you know, your personal life kind of interfering. Um, but I've found probably more than really any technology piece, having a good place to work makes all the difference in the world. Now, uh, in terms of specific tech, definitely you're going to want some sort of computer device, uh, at this point in time, I always recommend people get laptops. Uh, that laptop for that virtual office allows you to be able to communicate and connect anywhere, pick up the computer, move to a different room, or even a different office for that matter. Uh, and most people have more than one device, myself included. I've got a big desktop computer, which is what I'm using here at the moment. Uh, but then I also have a Lenovo ThinkPad that is my mobile workplace that I can use from a client's office or I can use from the road. Definitely fast, consistent internet and high quality internet is going to be incredibly important. Um, whenever possible, I would tell you fiber optics, always the best internet access to get beyond that. I would tell you cable internet access is probably the second best, uh, variety of providers that are out there. I don't have a real big preference one way or the other, other than to say, if possible, try not to have a data cap as you will probably go through a lot of data. Uh, and as a option, you can always use your smartphone, you know, so I've got a iPhone here, you know, and even if the internet goes off in the house, the cell phone networks usually are still online. I can tether to my phone and be able to operate, uh, using it as a hotspot, good office chair, good keyboard and mouse, definitely a full size keyboard and mouse. It makes all the difference in the world, especially if you're going to be, uh, working all day and a good, uh, monitor setup too. minimum of two monitors. There are a number of USB C, uh, external displays you can get for your laptop now too. So if you're working from the road, you can have an external display that just plugs in off your USB port. I'm also a big fan of having a headset and a webcam for video conferencing independent of the actual computer itself, especially if the laptops, they tend to have pretty bad, um, cameras and uh, mics. So having something a little bit different works great. My personal preference when it comes to audio telephony is I'm a big fan of these Jabra speaker phones. This is a 18N Jabra. It works really, really well with a good echo and noise cancellation. And uh, I got a big old dumb head and I love not having to wear a headset if I don't have to. And so that's actually what I end up using most of the time when I am um, doing conferencing with clients. Now, some tips for working from home. Okay. First and foremost, have a plan. You know, if you're going to be working from home, if you're going to be working from the, from the road, set 
some expectations for yourself, some goals and objectives, you know, for that virtual office. Uh, if you're going to make, you know, your RV or your home, your office there, know what you want to accomplish. Uh, when my wife and I are, are traveling and working uh, remotely, you know, we try to set standard work hours. It might not be the hours we always expect, you know, it might be, hey, we're going to go hike in the morning and then we'll work in the afternoon or vice versa. Uh, but we try to identify what we're trying to do, what those hurdles might be and, and what we need to do to be effective. And then ultimately we have a goal that we're going to hit. I would tell you to set some work hours and limits. Uh, this is a very good example of do as I say, not as I do. I tend to work more than um, 40 hours working from home. It's pretty easy just to wake up in the morning, walk into the office and not walk out until the evening. Um, but don't forget to take a lunch break. Try to set your expectations on how many quantity of hours you work with. Big one here is communicate regularly with your colleagues. Uh, on the status of different projects, deliverables, communication is so very important. One common technique that could be really effective is what we call a stand-up meeting um, with a team distributed and spread you know, across multiple geographic areas. Uh, getting people together in the same conference room isn't an option, but thankfully utilizing services such as Microsoft Teams, Slack, and others, you can do a meeting pretty quickly. In a stand-up meeting, it's just a coordination meeting. You don't discuss big changes. It's, uh, you know, essentially under a half hour. At least you try to keep it under a half hour. You just go throughout the room. What are you working on? What do you need help with? And what kind of roadblocks do you have in the way? And just a simple coordination meeting like that, you'll find, will help keep the progress of, of your projects moving along. I would tell you be available for social interaction. Just because you're in a, in a remote area doesn't mean that you can't communicate and have a meaningful relationship with your colleagues. Um, you know, when I would tell you when you're meeting, definitely have your camera on, avoid multitasking. <clears throat> this is kind of a small thing, but when I'm meeting with my staff or clients, I try to make sure they can see my hands regularly, just so they know that I'm not typing on the keyboard and not listening to what they say. But that goes a long way. And of course, track your time on projects, set milestones and identify what metrics are going to be successful. I'd encourage you, if you haven't checked out the first version of this class, check out the first version because we go through a couple of different project tools such as Trello and uh, Asana as ways of being able to track your progress on projects. Okay, a couple of specific tools you're going to need for your virtual office repertoire. <clears throat> so first, I would tell you you're going to need some, some specific software. And at this point in time, the software you should be considering for your organization, you really should consider cloud tech as the rule, not the exception. When it comes to technology, um, you know, you have a ton of different options there, but you know, really cloud is what you want to do. Um, because if it's cloud-based, it means it's available anywhere in the world by its very definition. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, you're working from a physical office of your corporate headquarters, or you're working from your home, cloud doesn't really matter where you are. Cloud by its design allows it to be accessible anywhere. And so I would tell you, you know, instead of maybe considering an on-premise accounting solution, you choose a cloud accounting solution, maybe like Dynamics 365 or QuickBooks. Instead of considering a file server inside of your office that you upload your files to, maybe you consider a cloud document service such as Dropbox, SharePoint, OneDrive, and others. Here are some specific categories of products and services that you should consider utilizing. So the first I'm going to tell you is uh, your virtual desktop as well as your various enterprise applications. Now, a virtual desktop is like a traditional desktop experience. 
But instead of being on a local computer, it's in a centrally managed server or cloud provider. Uh, there are a number of companies that can provide this for you, uh, such as Right Networks, Ace Cloud Hosting, Centrum, and others. And what you do when you work with one of these companies is they configure desktops for your staff and your staff remote into these desktops and then they're able to operate and work. Um, this isn't always necessary. You know, it's really only necessary if you have specific Windows applications that you want to centralize and, and manage from one central server. Uh, if you're working with stuff that is accessible through the browser, like through Chrome or uh, Firefox or something like that, you probably don't need it. But if you're working with a traditional thick client application, like a QuickBooks as an example, QuickBooks desktop, not an enterprise. Uh, this is a great option because instead of having to figure out a whole bunch of file sharing and, and VPNs and things of this nature, you access it through that virtual desktop and it's just up there and running. I'll show you a couple of examples of this here in a minute. And this allows a company to provide this cloud virtual desktop experience to all workers in a secured environment. Uh, rather than having those applications installed and then you you connect via VPN, you connect to this virtual desktop, the company can manage and centrally administrate the security that goes along with it. And what's cool is that all workers are working remote, regardless if they're in the office, whether they're at home, their work is being conducted on a central server managed by that company. And it's a great stopgap for a lot of traditional-based applications that can be very difficult to work with um, for one reason or the other. A lot of traditional proprietary software inside of organizations uh, can be uh, difficult uh, to port to the cloud. Often it requires a complete rewrite of the application, and that may or may not be feasible. You know, certain applications are so big, they're so robust, uh, you know, it could be thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, and that just may or may, may or may not be a choice for you. So let me go ahead and show you a couple of different options here with respect to how you might choose to move to a virtual desktop. Now, you have a couple of different options that are out there. Uh, really, your biggest choice is going to be, do I go with a, uh, a managed service provider or do I go with, let's say, a uh, infrastructure provider? A good example of an infrastructure provider would be Amazon. So Amazon Web Services, definitely the largest cloud provider in the world. My preference uh, for those longtime listeners, you know, I have a long affinity to utilizing Amazon's uh, technology services, which truthfully are, are second to none. Uh, they've got a number of products here that are fantastic, uh, specifically their product called Workspaces. Let's see if we can pull this up here. Okay. Uh, this Workspaces application is fantastic, giving you a, a virtual desktop that can work anywhere in the world. Its pricing is actually pretty reasonable, too. If you click over here to the pricing tab, you can get a sense of what it will cost. And with respect to this, it's just really coming down to how big of a machine do you need? Uh, do you need your own Windows licensing and more? But, you know, it doesn't really come down to really that much. It's, uh, it's pretty reasonable overall to get a pretty reasonable uh, speed machine. The big downside, though, to Amazon is pretty much for 99% of you, there's no technical support that you can call. You know, if this doesn't work or if you have technical support questions, AWS is not that product because it's not really designed for that. It's a it's an enterprise level product intended to be operated by um, engineers, you know, or people who have firm technical understanding and software developers. 
So two other providers you might want to consider. One is Ace Cloud Hosting and another one is called Right Networks. Uh, what these companies will do is that they will build you a virtual desktop of whatever type of cloud you would like, you know, with whatever tax and accounting solutions you might need to have in place, uh, giving you essentially a workplace as a service, a desktop as a service, a virtual desktop that you can operate and work with uh, anywhere. Um, and the pricing on this is not too bad. You know, it starts at about 20 bucks per user per month. And the big thing that you're going to get with this is that it will also include hosting um, and technical support, backup and security and other stuff like this. But let's say you go with Ace Cloud Hosting here. Uh, let's say you sign up for their unlimited cloud for 50 bucks per month. You can remote into this. They take care of all your software, the security, QuickBooks hosting, or whatever. You can see over here on the left, they have a ton of different options besides just QuickBooks. And they'll they'll set it up and configure it all for you, and it'll work really, really well. Uh, and you never have to buy or worry about a server again. Essentially, it's all done uh, for you. Another comparable solution here would be Right Networks. Uh, in a lot of ways, they probably created the space for accounting and finance professionals. Uh, they specialize in QuickBooks. That's what their bread and butter is, but they've also got a number of other um, options that you can consider as well. Other tax and accounting solutions too. Either one, pretty good solution with respect to choosing to move your firm to the cloud and to be able to operate that virtual office without having to have your own infrastructure and manage it. Now let's talk about the next category of tools, collaboration tools. And there's a lot of different options with respect to collaboration tools that you might want to consider. And really what these tools are intended to do is to allow you to be able to communicate and share files, information, and work like you're ultimately in the same room, in that same office. Uh, you might not be able to walk down the hall and talk to Jim or Susan, but these tools should allow you to be able to be in the same virtual space together and, and allow you to be able to talk, communicate, and work together. Uh, collaboration tools are great for geographically dispersed teams that need to meet face-to-face, -face, write documents together in real time, as well as share files. Um, another option with respect to this are going to be conferencing tools, tools that allow for real-time meetings, uh, that allow you to be able to either voice chat, video chat, screen share with each other like you're together. Uh, and an even stretch goal for this would be collaborative cloud-based documents, allow you to be able to build, edit, and comment on work like you're sitting in that same space with each other. And these tools are fantastic because, you know, it doesn't matter where you're located or even really what kind of device you're on. Uh, because with respect to these different products, uh, whether you're on a mobile device, a desktop, a laptop, they all look and feel like they are in one central uh, position. Now, it used to be that each of these specific needs were separate categories of, of tools. Like, for example, you know, you'd have like WebEx or Adobe Connect, go to meeting, and then you'd have to have another tool like Dropbox, you know, and then you'd have to have another tool like Office, and that you'd ultimately be able to have to use these three different platforms independent of each other. Good news is today, you've got a lot better integration, a lot better data sharing, and it's a lot simpler and easier with respect to collaboration with each other. Let's take a look at two tools that you might want to consider. Now, when it comes to kind of the total package with respect to collaboration and communication, um, you know, there's two different approaches that I would recommend. 
Uh, one is utilizing a tool called Slack. Uh, you can check it out by going to slack.com. Uh, Slack is this kind of pre-built tool that's got all your different types of, of communication needs all bundled together. Conferencing, video chat, uh, you can collaborate, you can do everything from having a face-to-face meeting with a colleague to being able to work on a document simultaneously with a colleague. Uh, and it's actually very simple to use. Uh, it's got both an iOS and Android app, Mac and PC whatever you choose to use, it'll work effectively for you. The pricing's pretty reasonable. They even have a free plan. Uh, so with that free plan at $0 per month, you can integrate it with 10 other apps like Google, Office 365, and more. You can do one-on-one video and uh, voice calls with your teammates. But really, you're going to want to kick it up to one of these pro or business plans uh, that give you additional benefits, uh, such as the ability to store longer retention for your messaging, better integration with more products, uh, and even collaboration tools. So Slack is a pretty cool tool that you can use to be able to communicate and talk and screen share with your colleagues. However, I got to say my personal favorite tool when it comes to this category of product is Microsoft Teams. Uh, Teams has exploded in growth in the years of COVID, and it's becoming a very, very, very powerful tool to allow businesses to be able to conduct you know, operations with each other. Uh, and really where it shines is the fact that it's part of the 365 suite of tools. I mean, it is beautifully integrated in with the whole 365 platform and you can use this to video screen, uh, chat, um, communicate and more. And one of the better benefits of this is that it beautifully integrates with Microsoft SharePoint, eliminating your client, your need to have a, a file server essentially to do all of that heavy lifting for you. Uh, it's integrated in with windows 10, windows 11, And if you're already using 365, in my opinion, this is a no brainer. Our business switched over from Slack a couple of years ago and we've never looked back. It's, it's in my opinion, um, one of the saving graces of COVID for a lot of companies to be able to operate and work together. Now, if you aren't using Teams, uh, I'm sorry, if you're not using 365, good news, you could still utilize Teams. doesn't require a 365 account. And just like Slack, they also offer a free version uh, that will give you uh, the ability to screen share, communicate, talk, share files, and more. Uh, one of the really cool features of this is the ability to be able to collaborate and co-author documents in real time in the existing applications you're already using, like Word, Excel, PowerPoint. Uh, you can get that with this too. And if you're interested in Microsoft Teams, check out uh, one of our recent podcasts. Uh, we specifically talked about some of the hidden features of Teams, and I know we'll be doing some podcasts on this in the very near future again. So stay tuned. I think it's one of those great tools to consider. Now, the last bit of this is going to be kind of a platform for your virtual office. Uh, I'm not talking specific like tax and accounting software here, but communication and business business productivity uh, tools. And in my mind, there's really three options for you. Uh, You can take a Google-centric approach. You can take a Microsoft-centric approach. And as a third option, Zoho. Um, Now, with respect to these different tools, my the clear winner in my book is going to be 365. I think 365 overall is probably the most robust uh, feature, uh, rich, easy to use, and powerful solution that are out there. 
and also pretty reasonably priced. Most users for 365 come in at about $12.50 per month, and that includes your licensing for Office. It also includes uh, Microsoft Exchange, SharePoint, Teams, as we talked about, and a lot more. Uh, there's also a Google approach. This comes in at about, I think, six bucks per user per month. Big benefit with respect to Google is that everything is natively cloud. It's super, super, super simple. In my mind, Gmail is the best email solution out there, likewise with Google Calendar. So you get all of that as well. Downside of Google is that uh, it just doesn't have the breadth of features that you get with 365. I mean, 365 is like this big and Google still pretty big, but it's just not nearly as robust as the 365 platform. And as a third option, if you haven't checked it out before, it would be Zoho. Um, Zoho is a really cool business platform that you can use to manage not only your standard communication, uh, but really all the other software that you might need to run your business, uh, accounting software, expense management software, password manager. Zoho is like a whole business operating system. It's got a lot of features and functions built right into it. And uh, it's definitely worth a look because for one fee using their Zoho one platform, you can kind of get it all in under one roof and one uh, set of tools and services to utilize. Uh, it's kind of a mixture in terms of um, features and support and, and functionality between uh, Office 365 and, and Google. Uh, big reason I will also point out why I always recommend 365 probably as first. Most of us have already a lot of familiarity with the Office platforms. And there's a lot to be said about, you know, not switching if you don't have to, because, you know, it can take a long time to learn a whole new set of uh, suite of tools and services versus going with something, you know, especially if you know if it works well and, and, uh, and is it at a reasonable price. But I would tell you to pick one out of these. You might need two, but 99% of you should be fine just picking one out of this. And I'll point out, they all have trials. So if you want to give them all a spin and just see if it works for you, definitely consider it. All right, folks, let's go ahead and have our next polling and review question. So if you are uh, attending live today, feel free to go ahead and respond to the question. If you're watching after the fact, just think it over in your head and pick a solution that you most agree with. Which items should you consider for your personal virtual office repertoire? Okay, should it be a modern white lightweight laptop and smartphone? Absolutely. Should it be a collection of cloud-based tools which can be used anywhere with internet access? You betcha. A quiet and comfortable workspace whenever possible? You betcha. And so the correct answer here is going to be all of the above and more. Lots of different options when it comes to choosing products and services. Uh, beyond just the computer and the phone, the workspace, a big one to also consider and remember is going to be stuff like having good internet access, uh, having all the enterprise apps and products that are cloud-based so you can access them anywhere in the world and more. All right, for our next section, let's go ahead and dive into a newer topic, but something that I think there's been a lot of updates in over the last couple of years and something definitely worth considering for um, your business as well as your personal life. And this is going to be Internet of Things or IoT. Okay, with IoT devices, what we're talking about here are devices that connect to other devices and then ultimately connect to our life. Now, the more strict sense of the definition of IoT, it describes physical objects, okay, 
or groups of objects or categories of objects that are embedded typically with sensors, processing ability, software, and other technologies that can exchange data, and here's the key phrase here, with other devices and other systems over the internet without really the need of humans to have to come in and be able to communicate and talk to them. Uh, so we have sensors that are essentially collecting data, sharing data, processing data on our behalf without us physically having to do anything about it. Uh, and this can bring information right to the forefront to us, automating, integrating, and sharing information so that we don't have to do it on our behalf. It essentially just makes everything simpler, easier, faster, and more efficient. And it brings together all different types of systems, devices, sensors, apps, and more. Uh, and it's really intended to help merge our physical world with our virtual world, allowing everything to kind of simultaneously kumbaya come together and make life fast and efficient. Now, these devices are probably best easily understood in the context of, you know, things like our, uh, our smart devices in our home, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But they do have some wider business applications that we should be familiar with. And I will what I would want you to know now it's it's more than it just about talking to your TV or kind of utilizing your uh, Amazon Alexa to just turn off and on the air conditioner. You can do a lot more stuff with this. Uh, these IoT devices can collect data from other things to make it usable and ultimately to help you with your different business decision making. Uh, so, for example, you could have sensors inside your business that are there to collect information about efficiency, effectiveness, uh, logistics everything, you know, that's processing this information a lot, you know, it's collecting a lot of different pieces of information for you. And then you use this to make ultimately an informed uh, business decision. This can ultimately help you, for example, reduce your waste, reduce your energy usage, improve your manufacturing process, uh, and more. And these different devices, I mean, they're present all over the place. Uh, and it's about collecting as much different types of data that you can uh, ultimately use to see trends. And uh, once you kind of understand those trends, using those to make a decisions, you know, so if you were thinking about like in a manufacturing process, uh, you know, waste or slack or excess capacity or how long uh, things are uh, taking to do um, inside your company, well, if you have that information, you can ultimately then use that information to make better uh, decisions about that particular process and what that might look like. So, I mean, you think about a company like, let's say, General Motors or, or Chick-fil-A or, or whomever. I mean, 1% reduction in waste can sometimes yield thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to that bottom line. And it's all about capturing that information. Now, one of the cool things in business that you can use IoT devices for are going to be in maintenance as well as in management of facilities, okay? And with respect to maintenance, you know, it's really important that you keep your devices up to date and you keep these devices uh, running. Um, because, you know, if you think about, let's say, a manufacturing company, I've got a uh, an uncle-in-law who works for a large uh, woodworking manufacturing facility in the state of Arizona, you know, that's making cabinets and woodworking equipment 24-7, 365. You know, if they had a line that got shut down because a critical piece of equipment stopped working, I mean, that can directly translate to extreme loss of revenue, you know, but with internet of things devices, they can capture information, know when something's about to break and then plan that maintenance period accordingly. 
So no longer is kind of the need of having to guess when maintenance needs to be performed. Okay, we can capture that information automatically. IoT data paired with other types of advanced technology techniques like machine learning, deep learning, artificial intelligence, and more. Well, if we have a ton of data, we can use that to ultimately predict our outcome and then automate some of our decision making. Um, you know, I'm thinking, for example, cars, you know, uh, there's a reason why they recommend an oil change after X number of miles. Well, they predictively know what will happen if you prolong that period of time. Well, think about if you're in a company, you've got a fleet of vehicles, you know, you're going to want to keep an eye on that because not following those predictive maintenance um, schedules could be very costly if you're talking about having to repair multiple vehicles simultaneously. Well, you could put an IoT device inside of your uh, fleet of vehicles that reports back when someone drives that car, you know, the mileage, where they're going, you know, are they utilizing the car in a safe and effective manner, you know, for example, driving the speed limit or parking in safe neighborhoods, or for example, also idle, um, watching how that vehicle is being used and then using that information, um, to ultimately determine when a vehicle is going to go into service. Well, those little devices exist. There's plenty of different examples of, uh, little sensors you could plug into the, uh, the OB2, reader, which is that little thing underneath the uh, dashboard on the driver's side that can report that information back in real time uh, for you. And people are using that now to be able to make decisions on when their cars are going to be uh, maintenance for a whole um, fleet of vehicles. And I think that's pretty cool overall. Okay. So that is one option. Well, we can also use it, utilize it deal with issues before they become problems. Collecting data will help us ultimately figure out why something failed and then be able to uh, prevent it from happening again. Uh, and it can also help us figure out when things do fail, what kind of spare parts do we need to have on hand uh, to be able to uh, be able to um, determine when these uh, things ultimately need to be uh, to be replaced and what kind of equipment do we need to have on hand uh, to ensure that we can uh, be able to get these devices up to speed as quickly as we possibly can, you know, to reduce that maintenance uh, period as quickly as we possibly can. Alrighty. Now, another option that we can potentially do here is going to be for our facilities management. You know, besides just the specific vehicles themselves, uh, we can also use this to better manage our facilities, understanding things like temperature, humidity, uh, the status of doors and windows. You know, I'm sure we've all been in a building where, uh, you know, for example, the air conditioner, or the heating will turn off, um, you know, if a window is particularly open or closed, uh, well, you know, that's uh, essentially a sensor that's ultimately reporting back and it's reporting back and uh, we'll make it a smart decision essentially about how the heating and cooling will be done here. Oh, what's the intention of this? Well, reduction of energy consumption, you know, so it helps us produce better and more efficient buildings. Uh, that's a whole idea behind like the lead is to produce buildings that can be green. Well, a big part of this is uh, reducing the energy footprint. Well, you know, we do this through sensors and capturing information. Uh, also, for example, maybe having sensors inside of a building that count the number of people in spaces or in corridors or as, as they're being used, we can ensure that we're using the correct and the best possible utilization of space inside that building. 
we can also have sensors that can capture and report upon things like productivity uh, and more to ultimately help us produce a better building, you know, and to better utilize the space inside of that building, which is a, a very, very, very useful thing that we can do. Now, there's all different types of all different types of uh, sensors and things that we can consider for our organizations of all different types. Uh, we've got sensors that can detect inertia. We can have sensors that can detect motion, occupancy, pressure, proximity, temperature, whether or not things are being used. Uh, your phone, your iPhone, for example, has dozens of sensors inside of it for all different types. Uh, including an accelerometer where it can detect movement. That's how it's able to detect when you're walking in steps. Uh, we can have safety sensors like CO2, carbon monoxide, smoke alarms, and more. Um, we can have positioning sensors like gyroscopes, humidity, imaging sensors, lots of different things that we can consider utilizing. And so let's go ahead and switch over and take a look at some of the industrial sensors that you could potentially put inside of a business to capture information. So this is just an example of some of the uh, sensors that are out there, okay? For example, you got sensors for temperature and humidity. Imagine you're a restaurant or imagine you're a corporate company that owns dozens of restaurants in dozens of different states. Well, you might want temperature and humidity sensors in the different uh, um facilities that you have when, you know, whether it be the, uh, the refrigerators and freezers and more to report back to HQ, not only just so that you don't have spoilage with respect to the food, but then also that, you know, you're meeting these specific requirements of the health and safety regulations and you don't open yourself up to potential issues. So that's where you could potentially use like this. And because this is connected to the internet, it can report back and it can also set alarms when certain things are not following what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, here's your dry contact. So this essentially will let you know when something is getting switched on or switched off. Okay. Uh, like, you know, opening of a door, or closing of a door or a gate. Okay. Here's a thermocoupler. Okay. So that you can detect temperature and heat. Okay. Different sensors with respect to monitoring. This one over here actually specifically monitors for current when something is energized or not. Uh, here's a cycle count, you know, as something is turning off or on, off or on, off or on. Uh, imagine you've got a piece of equipment like a like a, a conveyor belt. It'd be useful to know when that thing turns off and on so that, uh, you know, essentially after X number of cycles, you know, it needs to be maintained. Uh, here's one for pressure sensors, you know, so understanding uh, how much pressure is in a particular area for monitoring for gases and liquids. Certain things need to be at certain types of pressure, and that could be really helpful for understanding uh, what that might be. Likewise, here's some for, uh, for vibration, air quality, uh, activity sensors, and more. And you'll notice with all these little things right here, they've got a antenna on them because they're ultimately intended to report back when something happens. Here's a really good one here, water detection. I actually have these throughout the house here. And uh, if they detect water, they close a loop, that loop gets grounded out, and then it will notify us that there's water present. You know, you think about your hot water heater. Uh, many years ago, I'm reminded of a story by my parents. You know, they walked in, they had a, a guest house and, uh, you know, hot water heater sprung a leak, you know, and it was up in the ceiling. They didn't even know it was up there, you know, and it ended up causing serious damage. Well, imagine you've got these little hot water, or sorry, not hot water, but water detections that can let you know when there is an issue uh, the second that issue actually occurs, because we know there's nothing more damaging 
than um, than uh, than water. You know, and so if uh, it detects water, it can notify you of that issue, and you can deal with it uh, immediately. Now, these are all industrial sensors. There's also sensors you can get for your home. Uh, a platform that I've invested in over the years from Samsung is this system called SmartThings. And with SmartThings, they've got all different types of sensors for your house uh, that you can choose to get above and beyond, um, you know, kind of like the simple stuff, like turning lights off and on. They've got lots of different types of uh, sensors and uh um, tools and things that you can get. And it, and if it works with smart things, there's a whole series of different products and services that are out there. Um, you can kind of combine them all together, you know, so smart locks and, you know, temperature and, uh, switches inside your house and electrical connectivity and more. Uh, and there's all different types of products and services that you can choose to integrate with. So you can do this personally as well. Now, a couple of security recommendations with respect to your Internet of Things, uh, and sometimes tongue-in-cheek, this was referred to as the uh, insecure uh, uh, Internet of Things. So, you know, and, and for good reason, because unfortunately, the, the quality of these different devices can vary widely. Uh, so some general recommendations with your IoT devices. So first and foremost, I'd tell you, always try to control the physical security of this. You know, don't leave them just out in the open where someone can reset them or otherwise try to physically compromise those devices. Uh, you definitely want to harden the security with those devices with strong passwords. And whenever possible, utilize two-factor authentication so people just can't, you know, get in and then ultimately be able to compromise that machine and then maybe gain a like into your network. You know, set it up. Take the security seriously. Uh, whenever possible, segment these devices onto separate networks inside your business and home. Uh, you can use a technique called VLANing or virtual LANs, uh, which physically segments or well, virtually segments a physical network. And you can also consider using separate Wi-Fi access points so that they're not on the same networks as your computers. Always use encryption whenever possible so that the data is obfuscated and can't easily be uh, intercepted by a third party. And this is just my personal preference, but I think there's something true to be said about this. There's a lot of like low quality foreign made devices out there on the market of questionable um, pedigree. You know, I would tell you whenever possible, buy devices from quality, reputable providers. And if possible, buy them that are made here in the United States. Uh, and I'm really speaking specifically to devices that are made in Eastern Europe, uh, specifically places like Russia, as well as in Asia, specifically China. There's been plenty of examples of these Internet of Things devices containing malicious code and malware uh, that could be used to spy on you, you know, and spy on your businesses. So I would tell you, you know, you don't need to worry about a company like Apple or or um, Amazon or or Samsung and others. It's just the random off brands that you'll see, especially online um, that come from questionable places. And whenever possible, if you're using this inside your business, definitely use enterprise class devices, not home devices. They'll be more reputable. They'll be faster. They'll work better. Uh, they cost more, but, you know, you're getting quality out of it. Now, when it comes to IoT devices, two products I'd tell you to take a look at and consider. 
I tell you to consider Amazon Alexas. Uh, I've been a big fan of these devices for a long time. I personally have them all throughout my home. Uh, these are smart speakers, and you just talk to them like you talk to a human. They just understand you, which is fantastic. They use a combination of speak recognition, natural language processing, forms of artificial intelligence, and more, and you can just talk to them. Uh, and they've got a ton of services built into the actual device itself, but really where they shine is that they just beautifully integrate with a ton of IoT devices. Devices. And you could extend the actual underlying capabilities of this device uh, and have it connect to devices such as your thermostats, your switches, your lights, your locks, and more. Uh, and it works really, really well. Out of all the devices, I think this is probably the, the, the best out of the bunch. Uh, I like it more than the Google devices, the Apple devices. I just think they, they work really well. And the integration with other Internet of Things devices, I think, are easy and efficient and they work well. Now, another device I would tell you to check out, and this is more of a consumer grade, although you could certainly have a, a one of these in your business office as well, too. Big fan of the Google Nest products. Now, Nest made their name with their smart thermostat. They've gone much further than that. They've got smoke detectors. They've got security systems, locks, uh, doorbells, and more. Um, I think the Nest products are fantastic. Also a pretty big fan of the Ring products as well. You know, so either one of those I think would work well. Uh, and you could use them for a bunch of different things. Like we have a smart thermostat here in our house. So it knows if people are home or not home. And if nobody's home, it just maintains a minimal temperature and doesn't cause unnecessary heating inside the home if it's not required. Uh, they're also pretty easy to use. They're affordable. They're compatible with just about everything, both in terms of older like HVAC equipment, as well as lots of different other IOT devices, smartphones and speakers. Uh, and you can check it out um, by just going to nest.com and learning a little bit more about their products and services. All right, folks, let's go ahead and have our third review and polling question. What type of sensors can be used with IoT devices? So what kind of things can you do with IoT and what type of sensors can you utilize? Can you utilize temperature sensors? Absolutely. Can you utilize sound sensors? Motion sensors? Correct answer here is just about everything can be used with IoT devices. The sky is the limit. Now, as we round out third base here, let's go ahead and finish our presentation off with our last section, talking about next generation paperless solutions. And what I want to preface this with is, is that paperless in 2022, I think most of us have figured out that it costs less, it's more efficient, it takes less storage space, uh, and frankly, it's better in all possible ways, you know? And what I would tell you is that in today's environment with respect to paperless is really more of a philosophy rather than a defined set of practices. It's more about reducing waste, reduction of your carbon footprint, and changing your organization's perspective of data in general. You know, if something is paperless, it could be accessible anywhere in the world. And so it kind of goes uh, hand in hand with the, uh, the idea that, um, of that virtual office. You know, you can't have a uh, virtual office and still have, you know, 
rooms and rooms of paper inside your organization. It's not about completely elimination of paper, but rather being a little bit more mindful about how paper is used. Uh, a good example of this is, you know, I, I don't have really any files anymore. I've got a couple of things, you know, that I keep, but you know, every day I, I write a to-do list, you know, of what I'm going to do. I'm not going to eliminate this. I've got virtual uh, tools that'll manage my tasks and to do, but you know what, there's something about the physical joy of just, you know, scratching out a to-do list. It just works really well for me. So I'm not necessarily saying you need to get rid of every piece of paper, but be more mindful about how paper is used inside your company. It should include a combination of different automation, electronic tools, and real-time access to these systems wherever you happen to be, and lots of different options to be able to view and store and collect these files. It will ultimately provide a better experience that's more secure, more cost-effective, and easier for you to use. And it allows for you to be able to access your files anywhere in the world through that virtual office. Lots of reasons to take your business paperless. Digital files are easier to index and search. You can find whatever you're looking for with a search query, just like you're trying to find something on Google. Uh, paperless technology is better for the environment, reduces your storage footprint, reduces your physical uh, storage requirements, your actual costs, you know, it even helps you save the planet, maybe even a little. Improved security by you have the ability to provide digital rights management on files or DRM. You can essentially secure things so that they can only be accessed by certain people with the correct privileges inside the company at the correct level or through a password or through encryption. Uh, it makes sharing things simple, fast, and easy because they're all in one central place. You can have two people looking at the same thing at the same time. It's better for backup in the event of a disaster of whatever type, whether it be a data breach or a fire, you know, you at least can maintain access. And in this increasing world of data breaches and uh, ransomware, having your files securely backed up is, is a business critical um, thing. You have to do this is absolutely imperative to the organization. And you can also share these files with your staff, your clients in a secure manner through web portals, which are pretty cool. Now, that's all the standard stuff. I want to give you a couple of opportunities to consider for your next generation uh, with your next generation paperless um, techniques. So I would tell you here are five different things that you can consider for 2022 if you're not doing them already to help you take you to the next level with respect to your paperless. So let's get rid of physical payments. Uh, and instead of using checks, let's utilize ACH and EFTs. Uh, there are tons of services like Melio as well as uh, CorePay that are fantastic for being able to send payments to people anywhere in the world securely and quickly right to their bank account. There's also a number of uh, digital payment solutions for individual life like Venmo, the Cash App, PayPal, and more that will eliminate your need to have to physically you know, write a check, send a check in the mail, and more. Instead of using brochures and printed documents, use QR barcodes and utilize websites and mobile apps. You know, I'm sure you've been to a restaurant in this new COVID world. They don't have menus any longer. They got a QR barcode on the middle of the table. You scan it, brings up the menu. You can order from there, eliminating your need to physically have to print menus or brochures or other things like this. Uh, utilize V cards instead of printed uh, business cards. I know. Printed business cards are a staple of the world in terms of how we communicate and, and share information with each other about who we are. But frankly, I mean, who wants a stack of cards anymore? You know, it's a lot easier just to beam somebody your contact information and from that contact information be able to uh, um, have that record right in your phone. 
Utilize e-signature services. There are tons of different examples, Adobe Sign, DocuSign, HelloSign, and more as a great way of being able to sign agreements instead of physically having to print something and mail it to somebody. Utilize cloud services to more easily share documents and photos and other things instead of having to print and mail them to other people. Now, if you're interested in learning more about paperless, uh, K2, we've got a fabulous resource called totallypaperless.com where you can learn a little bit more about the real cost of paper of your organization, discover additional ways of being able to reduce paper and new cutting edge services that are out there that can replace existing paper services that you've always used inside your organization. All right, folks, let's go ahead and have our final polling and review question. What is not an example of implementing paperless technology? Is it sending payments electronically using services such as Venmo or an ACH? Nope, that is totally going paperless. Is it sending an email instead of a printed letter? Nope, that's also going paperless. Is it utilizing e-signature services such as DocuSign, Adobe Sign for maybe your 8879s, your engagement letters, management rep letters, audit coverage letters, and more? Nope, that's a pretty good example of going paperless as well. So the correct answer here is printing emails and putting them in the client folder. You know, I, I, I know multiple people who will remain unnamed uh, who still print their client communication and put it into a client folder. You don't need to do that anymore, folks. There are easier, more effective ways of handling that. Uh, starting first and foremost with the document management system or a service such as SharePoint and more. Now that does bring us to the end of our presentation. Thank you so much for attending. Let's quickly summarize what we discussed today and we will sign off. So today we went through and discussed the impact of the virtual office, how we can build a virtual office, some different techniques, software services that we might want to consider. We talked about leveraging the internet of things to connect our world together, all the different physical sensors we can, for example, put inside of our business, as well as some ones that we might want to consider for our home. We talked about next generation paperless, you know, why to consider paperless for our business, as well as some newer opportunities for implementing, um, paperless solutions that we might not have considered before. Now in the third part of our class and in our next edition here, uh, we're going to talk more about cloud technology as well as a number of different products, services, apps, platforms, and more to better meet your organizational and efficiency needs. Now, if you're watching after the fact as a podcast and our podcast is available twice a week. Uh, so if you're watching uh, on YouTube or Facebook or another time of the uh, day, uh, please, you can always get CPE credit for watching or listening uh, on your own schedule after the fact by just heading over to cpetoday.com and uh, taking the podcast quiz. Okay. With your quiz and with your purchase, you get copies of the learning materials. You get uh, also the ability to ask questions, ask instructor, uh, additional instructor resources and more. And I'm sorry, but the actual code here is incorrect. It's not NGE4. Our actual course code today is WCN2. Again, that is WCN2. Or you can just search for uh, this particular class, which is uh, what's coming next, technology part two. Uh, and you can find our, uh, our class for today. And if you're a new listener or watcher to the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you go ahead and if this is your first time with us, get a free credit on us. Uh, pick the podcast of your choosing. You can use coupon code one free podcast at checkout to make that podcast free. And if you're watching live with us today and you've never taken a self-study version of one of our classes, you can try that coupon as well and get another class of your choosing. If you enjoy our content, please consider 
connecting with us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE Today, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more. And you can always catch our show on your own schedule uh, uh, live twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific and on your own schedule wherever you happen to get content, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and more. We're just about everywhere. Thank you so much for your time and attention. It is always my pleasure to present today's latest and greatest technology. Uh, It has been a pleasure, and I will see you back in the office the next time around.